Right, so we, uh, yesterday's daf was daf Chaf Gimel, and we will see what matzmonim, what hidden treasures maybe we left behind that we can go back and, and retrieve in, in that daf. So these few, few dafim are um, dealing with the Machlikis Chizkiyah and Rabbi Avo, whether the Isurim of Achila, when the Torah says, Loite Chelu or Loite Chlu, you're not allowed to eat something, is that specifically about nutrition, that you can't eat it physically? Or does it mean it can't be consumed in any form? In other words, is it economic consumption or is it nutritional consumption? What does loitichelu mean? And in, in English we also use the word consumption. And consumption has two meanings. It has an economic meaning and it has a, um, and, and it has a nutritional meaning. So the same applies with the, the, the so Rabbi Avon and Chizkia are analyzing whether loitichelu, as used in the Torah, is an economic concept or a, a nutritional concept. <coughs> the, the narrow meaning of Loitichelu is clearly nutritional, the wider meaning is economic, and the whole sugi is around the breadth of meaning we give to things. That to what extent do we give the wider meaning, to what extent do we give the, the narrow meaning? of it? Is, it, is it the narrow meaning of nutrition, or is it the wider me- meaning of economic consumption, and that's Chizkiyah and Rabbi Avot. And the Gemara goes on and on and on, working out, mainly arguing against Rabbi Avot's view, that it means, uh, that that it's the broader view, that it means uh, consumption. So usually the Gemara will do that, will question the one that is less literal. Uh, So Chizkiyah is generally, Lotechelu means Lotechelu, unless it says otherwise. Bachomets it says Loyechel, and and from that, that means any form of economic value any form of economic consumption, but normally tochelu means eating. So the Gemara generally questions Rabbi Avo over and over and over again, and we learn from there also how when you, there's a machlokus, when you're trying to understand a person's viewpoint, it's not just understanding what he said, you've got to look at the whole world through his lens. If you want to understand a Rabbi Avo, you can't just understand this, the comment that he made. You've got to look at the world, all the psukim, all the halachas, the whole of Torah, through the lens of Rabbi Avo to see how does he deal with everything so that you get an integrated view of Rabbi Avo. And so it is with the, you know, when we were discussing, even if it's modern day poskim we're talking about, you can't just say, well, uh, you know, Rabbi Yoshif says this and Roshon Zalman says that and therefore they disagree. What is their world view? How are they seeing halacha differently? How are they seeing the world differently? Uh, one needs to understand in order to really get to the essence of their of their understanding. And that's why halacha has traditionally been developed in the form of Shailas and Shubas, Shailot and Shubas, where the posek reasons through how he gets to his conclusion. It's not just as we have in the Shulchan Aruch, and even in the Shulchan Aruch, the Beis Yosef tells us how he gets to his conclusion. And the Vilna Gaon expands on that and others. To understand the reasoning, what's important is the halachic reasoning, not just the halachic bottom line. And we see in these pieces of Gemara how much the, ter- the Gemara wants to understand the perspective of Rabbi Avo, not just the, the, the comment of Rabbi Avo. And through that, a lot of interesting things are generated. One of them, and I chose to speak about this because I've never really understood it, so I thought this is an opportunity to try and understand it. One of them the Gemara looks at is a Bryser that considers um, the, and also this is a question you have narrow or wider interpretation. The, the Abraisa that considers the Psukim about Orla and the Din of Orla. Orla, as we know, is that the first three years you can't eat the fruit, the fourth year we take the fruit to Yerushalayim, and the fifth year the, the fruit can be eaten as normal. Um, and here Rabbi Yehuda and 
the Tanakama argue about whether this halacha applies also to, to public parks. Uh, if, the, if the municipality plants fruit trees, does, does Orla apply to that as well? And we have uh, the, the, the Tanakam There's a word lachem in the in the posuk which we'll have a look at around which the whole machlokes revolves. But the first thing is one has to ask is what what's the havamin? Why should there be a difference between a tree that's planted for the public, a tree that's planted for private? What difference should it make? And here's a good example. What I'm trying to also do in these uh, in these short shiurim is to give you some some principles by which to learn. So one of them is, look at the psukim inside. When you're learning a piece of Gemara, don't just take the Gemara, just quotes a part of the posuk, or quotes one posuk, but you've got to see the context of the psukim, otherwise we often don't understand what the Gemara is saying. If you just look at the posuk that they quote, which is posuk Chav Gimel in Perik Yutes in, in Kedoshim, mm-hmm. if you come to Yisrael and you plant any fruit tree, you must keep orla, the fruit is forbidden for three years. For three years there's orla, they, the fruit may not be eaten. That's the posuk that the Gemara is dealing with. What's the havamina to say that that should not apply to public, to public work, to public fruit? What's it going to do with it? Any tree that you plant for three years. Do we have such a thing? The Torah says that a nevela can't be eaten, a trefer can't be eaten. Do we say it depends if it's public or it's private? What difference does it make? The answer is in the next posuk. It's in the two psukim further. And the fourth year you take it to Yerushalayim you've, or, you, or you've got to be Mechala. The same as Maish Hashani. That's the important thing. On the fifth year, you'll see Broche in the fifth year. By investing in the first years, not eating the fruit, and, and leaving it, it's almost like a business idea also, for the first three years, leave the money in the business, don't take it out. And, and the fourth year, be very careful. The fifth year, you'll start seeing brocha. It's a, it's a life principle, it's not just about fruit trees, but be that as it may. What we see is the, um, it's the fifth year's brocha, so now the question is, is the brocha in the tree or in the person? Why is there brocha? The tree on which orla was kept? In which case, it makes no difference where the tree is. Or is it the person who made the sacrifice of not eating for three years that gets the brocha? If it's the person who gets the brocha, that doesn't apply to municipalities who put them to the trees there for, for whatever reason. Because mostly municipalities, as Rashi says here, that the Torah Rabin, that, that, that generally, it's not normal, other than in the city of Ranana, municipalities don't usually plant fruit trees in the street. <coughs> It's not the normal thing. We plant other trees for whatever. So that's not the, no- that's not the normal thing. So there's no, there's no brocha for them. So now the fruit trees that they plant in the streets and in the parks are going to have lots of fruit. That just makes a mess on the ground that has to be cleaned up. That's not brocha. Brocha is a farmer who's invested, who has property and fruit trees, and the fruit trees have brocha. Maybe it's just for the farmer who kept orla. So that's the Machlokis Rabbi Yehuda, and, and that, that's where, where the Machlokis extends to. Is Orla about the tree, in which case wherever the tree is it would apply? Or is Orla about the farmer, in which case it's about the Yochid? Says, um, says the, the Tanakama, the, if you look at the Posuk, it says, Untatem kol machal, and, and you will plant, which is in the plural. 
And then it says, Shaloshanim Yelachem, in the plural. So twice the posuk is in the plural. That comes to include Lerabot etanatol Rabbi. That means even if it's a public thing, this is not about individual farmers, this is even about a public thing because it's, it's worded in the, in the um, plural. So that's quite easy to understand. The problem is Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, Exactly the opposite. The plural, in fact, excludes public property. How? How do you get to that? Says the Tatim is... is um, it seems to uh, seems to involve the individual. So although Natatim is written in the plural, says the Gemara, the Tanakama, and everybody holds it, Natatim implies individual. Why, says Rashi, Natatim doesn't mean you singular, it, it doesn't mean you plural. If you, the city of, of Ranana or the city of New York, that's not what it means. It means any one of you. Any one of the millions of you who plant a tree, this is what will happen. It's about the individual. It's about the yochi. Um, and, and so we see that the word here, unetatem, can be interpreted grammatically or contextually. Grammatically, it's plural. But says Rashi, if you look at the context, plurals don't plant trees. Individuals plant trees. Farmers plant trees. So unetatem must mean singular. And then it says, Kasav Rahman alachem. So that's why the Torah says, although unetatem, you might think that the contextual interpretation leads you to believe that it's individuals, comes lachem to tell you, not only individuals, if it's the public, that also applies. That's how the Tanakhama learns it. The Rabbi Yehuda says, unetatem mashma ben rabim ben You can interpret unetatem either way. Grammatically, it's public, and, and, and contextually, it's individual. And lachem could mean each of you, it could mean all of you. You can translate it either way. It could mean individual, it could mean, it could mean both. But it's, it's an inclusive word. Both are inclusive words. So you've got two inclusive words. Then we have a, a, a counterintuitive principle. This is a case of an inclu- two inclusive words come to teach you to be exclusive. Which is crazy. Surely two inclusive words come to teach you to emphasize the inclusiveness? No, if it would just say Natatim, or it would just say but to say Natatim and Lachem, both words are in the plural, that tells you it's not the plural, it's the singular. What does that mean? So we don't have time to go into it deeply. It's also very difficult to understand deeply, but just very, very on a more simple level. Firstly, just the technical side of it. So Unatatem could mean singular, it could mean plural. If it meant plural, which is the simple meaning of it. If it meant plural, then the word lachem is entirely redundant. Look how it says, Unatatem, you plural, plant any tree. Varaltem or latot pirio, shaloshanim, yeye arilim lo shaloshanim, yeye arilim lo yeye arilim lo yachel. It should simply say, for three years, it's orla. It doesn't have to repeat the subject of the sentence. We know who the subject of the sentence is. It's the community. What is lachem for? So if it's, individ- if it's community, lachem is completely redundant which forces us to look at a different interpretation and say, so as not to make it redundant, we say, Lachem comes to teach us that the plural here means any one of you, not all of you. That, that's, how, that's how we learn it. But is there anything else that we can learn in the principle of Ein Ribu that two inclusive words come to be exclusive? 
It's interesting that we're talking here about a machlok is Chizkiah and Rabbi Avo. Chizkiah is the Baal Memra. Chizkiah is the one who says uh, that Kol HaMosif Goreah. That sometimes by adding you detract. So in English people often say less is more. So in Chazal it's not less is more. It's more is less. It comes to the same thing. But the emphasis is more is less. That in, and he learns it in Gemara Sanhedrin from the whole thing with, with Odom and, and, and he added a gzera that wasn't given, it wasn't a necessary gzera and he ended up losing out. Sometimes you think you're adding something on and you're making things worse. Uh, if, you, if you're a chef, if you like cooking, you'll know there comes a point where you think well, the salt was good, so let's add more and more, and there comes a point where it starts making it inedible. The idea of quantity does not always support quality. Sometimes you need quantity to have quality. You need a thousand Talmudim to go into yeshivas that one God will be Israel comes out. Sometimes you need quantity for quality, and sometimes quantity detracts from quality. And we need to know which one it is. The, the copywriters in, in, in journalism and in, in advertising know the principle. If you, if you use more than one superlative, you detract. If I say to you the the man was an in, incredibly, amazingly, hugely great genius. Or I just say he was an amazing genius. Which is more? You, you start, it, you lose credibility as you start on. There's an idea that we learn from this principle, a side idea that we learn from the principle, that too much ribui can lead to mute. Too much quantity can lead to a diminishment of quality. Uh, and we have to learn how to balance that. We need to know how much is too much and how much isn't. There's an idea of en So the two principles we're learning from here is firstly just the idea of, of, of Orla. Is Orla a, a brocha? The idea of brocha, the main part of Orla is not the isu. The main part of Orla is the brocha. Is the brocha on the tree or is the brocha on the person and the difference that makes? And the idea of en ribuy acha ribuy el